0: Ooh. Welcome to Irish Passport. Uh, let's do it. Welcome to the Irish Passport.
1: I'm Tim McInerney.
0: I'm Naomi O'Leary.
1: We're friends. Okay, welcome, Naomi.
0: Anoar fa Tim. This is your passport to Irish culture, history, and politics. Uh-huh. I'm recording. One, one, two, two, three.
1: three. Okay. of the Irish Passport podcast is sponsored by BiddyMurphy.com, the online shop for genuine Irish goods made on the island of Ireland. Head on over to BiddyMurphy.com today to check out their fantastic collection.
0: Did you know you can now get Irish Passport podcast tote bags in multiple colours? These gorgeous hand-dyed bags come in hot pink, emerald green, tiger orange and mermaid blue. By buying a bag, you're helping to support the podcast. And as it's Christmas, this month, 10% of all proceeds from our tote bags will go to the Irish Homeless Support Network, Focus Ireland. You can order yours on our website, theirishpassport.com.
1: here, I've just collected my bag from the baggage carousel. I'm
0: just here at arrivals in uh, terminal 1 in Dublin Airport waiting for Tim to appear. There's loads of families here waiting to pick people up. Oh god, people are crying. Oh.
1: Daddy! I'm coming up to these famous sliding doors.
2: There he is. <laughs> <Hi>. Hello. <laughs> Christmas. Merry Christmas. How, Christmas. how are you? Good.
0: Hi, everybody! Nolikona Yev Galair, August Fulcher Arash Gadi on Irish Passport Podcast.
1: Nolikona, everyone. That means Merry Christmas if you haven't guessed already. And today we're coming to you from a place that has some very special significance for Irish people around this time of year. We're in the airport.
0: Yeah, we're actually just outside the main arrival gates of Dublin Airport. And if you haven't passed through an Irish airport at this time of year, Let me tell you, it's quite the emotional journey. Every year, emigrants arrive back in their thousands from all over the world, returning to towns and villages all over the island to celebrate with their families.
1: Some of these people may not have been home for years. Some arrive with children that have yet to meet their grandparents, some with new partners or new husbands or new wives. And for this one week of the year, Ireland kind of comes alive with all these old friends and family members. So we decided we'd talk a little bit about that sense of celebration today.
0: The time around Christmas is known for being a time to spend with family all over the world. But in a country that's suffered mass emigration for generation upon generation, it really takes on a very special meaning.
1: So right here in this same airport where we are now, millions of Irish people have left the country over the years. And for a lot of those people, it would be one of the last times they ever set foot in Ireland. You know, before air travel became more affordable in recent years, it was just unfeasible for lots and lots of people to cross the world to see their families during the holidays or or really, you know, ever. And that's still the case for lots of people today. Uh, In the past, emigration was so permanent that farewells at the airport, like uh, we're seeing and and we'll see in January, uh, were sometimes known as an Irish wake.
0: Still today, lots of Irish emigrants will have moved to places thousands of kilometres away, like Australia or the United States. So coming home might mean taking time off work and spending thousands on airfares. It's a lot of logistics to handle, especially if they've got partners and children to bring along with them. So, understandably, it's not unusual for people not to see their families for many years at a time.
1: So when you take that into account, Christmas is kind of totemic in Ireland in a way that I don't feel it is in many other countries. You know, obviously, I'm an immigrant myself, uh, but luckily I'm not based that far away. I'm in France. Uh, so I make this journey more or less every year. And it's a really singular feeling uh, every time, you know, uh, in the departures lounge, uh, wherever you are waiting for a flight to Ireland. Um, all those usual tourists and business travelers, you know, they're all replaced with all these young Irish people and they're all looking really excited and impatient with big carry-on bags full of presents for nieces and nephews or brothers and sisters. It's really nice to see.
0: Yeah it's an experience that dominates every Christmas for me as well. Um, Of course I myself have been working in all sorts of different countries over the years and it's very emotional traveling home at Christmas and this year um, the bulk of my siblings are also abroad so I'm coming back to the uh, airport on multiple occasions to, to greet different sisters myself I, I often used to travel back on the ferry when I was living in the UK and it's this sort of carnival of humanity with their uh, crying babies and huge <laughs> families and also, like big groups of working men who are getting stuck into the pints, you know, uh-huh. the kind of an, an, an air of, an edge of anarchy reigns. <laughs> um, it's this kind of sense of collective experience, like you're all taking part in a huge human migration, and you, you know that other passengers are going through exactly the same thing. And I think that that sense of common experience is part of why, at this time of year, you observe acts of great kindness, because there's a sense that it's this kind of collective endeavor to get mm. everyone home. So you'll, you'll see travel staff going out of their way to reunite passengers and lost documents. And um, I remember one time on the boat from Hollyhead to Dublin, we waited at the dock for two hours for the arrival of a train that had been delayed. Because the ferry company, even though they weren't connected with the train company, knew they had to do it to get all those passengers on the train home for Christmas.
1: Wow, all right. Well, of course, uh, for all those travelers, the real show is always right here at the arrival gates. Uh, We're just sitting right outside them right now. And you can almost, you know, uh, feel the tension Uh, when you're arriving into Dublin Airport before you come into these arrival gates. You know, whole families you know will be gathered there anxiously with balloons and banners. They might be singing or joking or laughing together.
0: Dressed up, some of them this time. Indeed,
1: right. And they're all, you know, uh, waiting for their sons or daughters to arrive. So there's real anxiety in the air as well. It's such a symbolic and emotional moment um, that actually the national news uh, comes here every year to cover those stories.
0: Yeah, you have them all over the radio and TV and they're very... They're big cheer-jerkers. <laughs> I mean, uh, it, it is an amazing feeling when you walk out of the arrival doors, like the sliding doors open, and suddenly there's a hundred eyes looking at you, like seeing if you're if you're their family member, and you're also searching the crowd to see the one that you're looking for. And, and you know, it, it, to either side of you, a great cheer might rise up and people run into each other's arms. While I was waiting here for Tim, I decided to chat to a few families who were waiting to collect their loved ones about what they were going through. I'm just here in Dublin Airport it's an amazingly festive scene with all of the lights twinkling and it's incredibly emotional and kind of actually a bit surreal because there's a lot of photographers who are trying to take pictures of the families as they're re- reunited. You know, it's a classic uh, annual story about people reuniting at Christmas because of the large emigrant population of Ireland. And so there's a lot of media around who are kind of jumping on families as they reunite to capture the uh, emotional moments and uh, there's people are crying. I mean, even the journalists are crying. It's, it's hugely emotional. My son and her daughter have come home from Vancouver oh, really? for Christmas. Yeah, together, together. together i sort of met the Christmas presents. <laughs> and uh, what does it mean to you to have them home for Christmas? Um,
1: Absolutely brilliant. Absolute world, yeah. We've
0: been waiting for a year, it's only yeah. years a year but a long, long time. Who are you waiting for?
2: I'm waiting for my son yeah. and his wife and the baby.
0: Where are they coming from?
2: San Francisco. Yeah.
0: All the way from San Francisco. And uh, where are you from yourself?
2: Uh, near Carrickenshore, the county tip.
0: So you'll be uh, all at home in Tipperary this Christmas?
2: Yes, all all the family will be home this Christmas, yeah, for a change.
0: (laughs) And are they living over there full time?
2: Oh, he's there about 12-15 years.
0: did you guys meet over in Vancouver? No, no, we went oh, okay. here. Oh, okay, but you yeah. went over together, of course. Yeah. Are you glad to be home? Yeah, delighted, okay. yeah. Welcome home, thanks thank very much.
1: much. We travel from Zurich, okay. yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: And, and what's it like to be home for Christmas?
1: It's great, yeah, it's first time. Baby's
0: first Christmas? Yeah, what's this is like like Nella, So oh, fantastic, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> really good.
1: This is the first time we brought her home.
0: Yeah. What's her name? Orla. Uh, she's, she's lovely. Thank yeah. you very much. Have a happy have a Christmas, no, Same you. to you,
3: thank you.
2: Berlin. Okay.
0: Yeah. Who's coming in?
2: My daughter. Yeah. Uh, she lives there for about uh, say 20 years. That,
0: what does it mean to have her home now?
2: No, we well, are enjoying it. Look, look, Luca has. Luca is my grandson. He has a red rose for her.
0: <laughs> are you looking forward to seeing her? Yes, yeah, sure, yeah. Have a happy Christmas. Thank you. And yeah. you. He's flying home from New Zealand. Um, he's been in Australia and New Zealand for um, a year and a month, so we haven't seen him since. So we're super excited to see him here. That's a big day. And um, what's he doing over there? Um, he's been working the past while, but he's coming home to live now, so we're all super excited. And, yeah. So he's home for good? Home for good, <laughs> yeah. And, uh, what will it be like having him home for Christmas again? Uh, fantastic, yeah, we missed last Christmas, so we didn't have him last Christmas, so it'd be be amazing. And um, yeah, there's a new baby in the family as well, so he he'd be delighted to spend time with him as well. Can I ask who you're waiting for? Um, My son. A sign from?
3: Yeah, it's kind of things fell off a bit, but it's holding hopefully. Where is he coming from? He's coming from Toulouse in France.
0: And what, what does it mean to you to have him home for Christmas?
3: That just makes it complete, you know. It's, it's not Christmas till everybody's there, you know, so I'm really looking forward to seeing him. I'm King and I'm a news journalist with Virgin Media Television. It's like my favourite story of the year, to be honest, because when you work in news, sometimes it can be a little bit. You're working on a lot of sad stories and a lot of hard cases throughout the year. So I think it's always just so gorgeous to come out here on the last day of work every year and meet people. And actually this year we kind of went all out and we've been here like on Tuesday, Wednesday and again. And yesterday, we've actually been here for four days and I guess like for me it just feels really like this is the epicenter of happiness like it's where people are reunited and you know I guess for people like it just goes to show no matter how far away we are from each other or how long we've been apart that love prevails and that actually people stay connected even when they're really far apart like I met a load of mums who hadn't seen their kids in five years and it was like they'd seen them yesterday it's just really gorgeous I also love the stories I mean I particularly I remember back during the recession Like you had a lot of families who the dad was working away in Australia and he was coming home and you would see like mum and the small kids waiting at the arrivals gate for him and that used to always kind of bring it. It's funny, like I cry all the time when I'm interviewing people, which is probably highly unprofessional, but it's really difficult to sort of hold it together because uh, all of the stories are very moving, very moving.
0: Do, Do you have any trick for stopping yourself from crying?
3: Sometimes I'll look away, like so the cameraman will be filming, and sometimes I might just look away for a second and kind of glance back again. I'm usually fine, but I'm a bit of a softy anyway, to be honest. But um, yeah, so no, it really is. It really is the best story of the year to work on for me, anyway. Like I say, when you're a news journalist, you know you cover an awful lot of tragedy, and it's part and parcel of the job. And you know you tell those stories, and you owe those people, you know, a, a, you know, to have their stories told in the right way. But it's days like today then that really warm your heart.
0: Can I ask you who you're waiting on?
2: Our daughter Rita. Where,
0: where's she coming from?
3: Vancouver.
2: She's waiting for our bag, as usual.
0: <laughs> and when was the last time you saw her?
3: Uh, we went over in May, and she came home last Christmas again.
0: Fantastic. And uh, what does it mean to have her back for Christmas? Oh, it's wonderful. Yeah. Wonderful. I hope you have a wonderful Christmas.
2: you My Jones.
1: Naomi it would take a stony heart not to be melted at at those at those stories
0: seriously emotional I mean when I was talking to some of those people I actually had to pause and collect myself at different times because like I was a sob was rising in my throat (laughs) and it's the same for everyone you know Uh, it's I don't know what it is, but it's just so emotional.
1: I don't blame you. And of course, uh, everyone in Ireland actually kind of tunes into this once a year on the news uh, or the radio, like we said. And of course, we heard from Cara, uh, Zara King there from uh, the Virgin Media TV channel uh, here in Ireland. So there's lots of journalists who are kind of convening around this place.
0: It's kind of it's kind of comedic because like there's a few paparazzi like, and they'll <laughs> jump on they'll jump on anyone who's wearing something distinctive like a Santa hat or something, and try and get that moment of being reunited so there's kind of yeah it's it's a funny scene Mm. So Tim, what's your favourite thing about Christmas in Ireland?
1: Um, I mean, listen, I'm a, I'm a fan of Christmas, I'm a cynic in, in lots of other ways, but um, I, I do love Christmas and you know, uh, one of the things I really like about it is that it's a chance to get the whole family, you know, or most of them anyway, uh, in one room at one time, which if you think about it, doesn't actually happen, you know, all that often, even at, at weddings or what have you, you know, everyone's mm-hmm. a, a little bit dispersed. Um, so it's a real nice buzz to see, you know, lots of different generations milling around little, you know, cousins meeting each other for the first time and making friends or making enemies or what have you, you know, um, and you really get to go to town with all the traditions and the presents, especially when there's kids in the house. Uh, What about you, Naomi?
0: Well, yeah, I'd say the crux of the day is really being with uh, your family. I mean, it's it's almost like a sacred thing. It does feel like no other day of the year, like a holy day just different to other days. Like there's actually a special exhilaration and buzz about it. Yeah. Um, one year in London, I had to work on Christmas Day and my family actually waited for me and celebrated Christmas a day late, which was amazing. But yeah. it, it does show like the importance of it. I think without it, if, if you going without it and being somewhere else, not celebrating, it would feel very empty and very bereft and just quite lonely. And of course, that it can be an extremely difficult time of year for people who've lost someone and for, who might be going through difficult times.
1: Right. And of course, that brings in the emigrant side of it, too, in a way. Um, I think we've mentioned it before on this podcast that, you know, in our generation, more than half of more or less everyone you and I knew at school left the country at around yeah. the same time, uh, t- same time that we did. Um, so, you know, when I do visit um, Ireland during the year, uh, it always feels very, very empty. You know, none of my old friends are there anymore. There's no one to call up and, and to go for a chat with. And there is a, a sense of, of loss, you know, sometimes um, just for the people who have left. Uh, but for this one week uh, of the year, you know, all that is put aside. Loads of people come back all at the same time. Everyone you know goes out to the pub and catches up. Um, and, you know, it, it enters new stages as people grow up. You know, they'll they'll, they'll found their own families and start bringing their children or, or start not, not coming back at all anymore, you know, because they're celebrating uh, Christmas with themselves. And that's, that's how life goes yeah. um, but it's you know it's, it's still such a rare opportunity to see any people at all you know when when really there's so few chances uh in such a, a mass emigration situation as this yeah. to see your friends in one place at one time
0: it's funny now now that you mentioned that it's bringing back memories for me of when i was a child and my parents were working in london we were living over there and we used to come back to ireland for christmas you know we'd come home to my grandparents house or sometimes the the house of an aunt and uncle and it's some of my strongest memories. It was always we always arrived by night, it seemed, mm. and the reason I knew I was home was because I could see the stone walls, <laughs> you know, which you just wouldn't obviously see in London. Um, so yeah, the little stone walls at the side of the road, and then you'd arrive, and the loveliest thing was just having the absolute best crack with my cousins, you know, it was unsurpassable somehow. But uh, yeah, really lovely memories.
1: Hmm. The cousins thing is really fun, actually, because, yeah. you know, like uh, Irish families are huge <laughs> yeah. like in, in general. And even the the relatively small ones are, are bigger than you get in um, continental Europe, you know, like, where lots of people really only have one or two children maximum. Um, uh, and meeting cousins, you know, is just such an exciting thing for a kid being thrown in a in a room of a relative or a house or a garden with you know, 15 kids who are more <laughs> or less your same age, who yeah. you know you have some kind of deep relationship with, yeah. um, but who you really are just getting to know. You know, Christmas is the time for, for that to happen, which really, I mean, I can't think of very many other occasions where it could.
0: Christmas Pines with the Cousins is definitely a classic. <laughs> it's funny, like... the. It it can actually be quite an intense period and like it can actually wear you out physically because the week running up to Christmas is so frenetic with appointments to meet people Mm. because like you described him, like everyone not being at home during most of the time, suddenly everyone is here. So there's like a frantic social calendar Mm. and, you, you know, you might have cut pints with the cousins one day and then like old friends the next day. And I think as well, like part of the reason why there's this sense of frenzy in the build up to Christmas is because... Ireland shuts down completely for Christmas Day. Mm. Like, to a pla- to a, an extent that's really unusual. It's not like that in other countries. But, like, really, it will be crickets. Like, nothing will be open. You can't get anything. So there's this sense that if you need anything, like milk or bread or, like let alone all the presents. You have to get it all done in time. So there's this mania that sets in and everyone's in the shops. You know, the shops are rammed, the streets (laughs) are rammed, the traffic is crazy, you know, and everyone's like running around in a frenzy. We heard from one listener, uh, Bob from Los Angeles, and he traveled to Ireland at Christmas unsuspectingly and discovered that there was almost nothing to do.
2: My wife and I traveled to Ireland for the first time in around Christmas time, 2017. Uh, We... Fortunately, had we're staying in a nice hotel in Dublin, and they were going to provide us Christmas dinner, which was good because I did not realize to the extent that on Christmas Day, Ireland is closed. As in, closed. It was closed. Nothing was open. We debated whether or not perhaps going to get sick and go to the hospital to speak to a doctor. And a nurse might, you know, give us some human interaction. But we ended up making the best of it. We enjoyed it from being an American who was used to growing up with Irish Catholic priests. Our Christmas Mass we went to, there was an American priest from Chicago speaking to us, celebrating the Mass, giving us that idea. Maybe we're not in Kansas anymore.
1: I'm not surprised at Bob's reaction there. I mean, I suppose you know when it's there is this big day, and there might be you know ten or fifteen people in your house that you really have to prepare for. You can't oh really blame people for stocking up like it's going to be a nuclear winter. It is stress. Case.
0: It's stressful. <laughs> like the sense of momentum, like it just goes above and beyond. At the moment, my my parents are involved in complex uh, furtive texts. To get the turkey so they get their turkey directly from a farmer mm. and the handoff has to occur at a mutually agreed location a car park somewhere in the outskirts of dublin where you know the bird the carcass will be produced from the boot <laughs> of the car and you know the exchange will be made for cash and they and and there'll be a few other customers you know who have arranged this all over by text there to collect their bird as well and it was funny my uh, my mom was telling me this morning that last year when they went to do the handoff Uh, someone just observed the scene of something being got out of the back of the car and other people there to get it and they were like, they came up and they said oh I made an order as well they claimed and they basically just blagged their way in just because they they saw people in there getting something you know furtively and they were like it must be good you know it must be a really good turkey so they managed to blag a turkey for themselves anyway so it's like, yeah it's kind of gas, you know this, uh, this sense of like uh, subterfuge with the stuff being taken out of the back of white vans
1: <laughs> well you know you have to be careful you know like just this one day of year the, it, when everything is closed some things you know you just can't foresee yeah like, we like, uh, you know, one Christmas. I don't remember. I think it might have been more than one Christmas. Actually, um, uh, we had no water. Water for, On Christmas day Oh my god I think one one Christmas It froze over I can't quite remember And the pipes had frozen In the ground because Disaster I, I live out in the country And you yeah. know the pipes just froze In the ground um, And in, uh, another year I, I think it was Cryptosporidium Was in the water <laughs> I system I remember
0: that Christmas was It that, was chaos Am, am yeah. I not imagining no, that? No Cryptosporidium <laughs> Hit Galway I remember yeah.
1: So we, there was water But you couldn't Actually drink the water From the tap <laughs> And you couldn't go And buy water From the shop Because all the shops Were closed it Just closed yeah And you know I remember I was In my parents house and they didn't have any water. I mean, why would you? Why would you? Um, or anything that wasn't alcoholic to drink just to quench your thirst? Oh my gosh. <laughs> there was almost a total panic. There were <laughs> 20 people in the house with children and babies.
0: Or, or just like an extreme piss-up. Like, <laughs> it just people accidentally drunk on the alcohol. Maybe if you mix the alcohol with the cryptosporidium water, then they would like cancel each other out like it would. <laughs> wow
1: well, that's not a bad idea. Yeah. So yes, anyway, just to kind of justify people, you can never have too much of anything on Christmas Day. You'll no. get through it anyway.
0: I've, I've witnessed funny scenes now. I was down uh, near the Dundrum shopping centre and I've never seen this before in my life but there was a barber shop and outside the barber shop there was a queue of men maybe 15 men queuing down the street to go to the barber like this doesn't happen <laughs> like people don't queue for the bar- like I don't know how long it takes for one man to go through the barber but the man at the at the back of the queue must be prepared to wait there for an hour you know to get seen <laughs> and it's just this sense that like he's got to get you know he's got to get his hair cut for christmas and also i saw the same thing in the garage like there was all these cars queuing up to get their car washed for the christmas which you do not see at any other times of year and so, it's only the, like it's not related to christmas it's just t- tangential it's just like this sense to that you got to be on your best or something you know you got to be at your personal best and the house has to, has to be cleaned and all this stuff you know
1: do you think all, all of these people were sent down by an angry mammy somewhere? <laughs> yeah.
0: Get your hair cut. Get the car washed. It's entirely possible. There is a kind of a pathos to it as well because like with all of that momentum, excitement and build up, of course, there's a bit. Of, there can be a bit of a crash afterwards. Hmm. And um, personally, myself, going to the airport to leave again after Christmas can be very sad and depressing because, mm. you know, it's all over and you see all the families returning. And m- myself, like... I remember going, like queuing up for security in Dublin airport uh, one year and just in the days after Christmas and it was absolutely rammed. Everyone was in a kind of tired and tetchy mood and I was angry. Like I thought, you know, this wonderful Christmas period is when all of your friends and family are around. It's like an idealisation of Ireland that actually only exists temporarily for one point in time and everybody works very hard to to maintain it. And it's kind of a show that we put on it our, for ourselves. And no, no sooner does it gather than it dissipates again and everybody leaves. And it made me very sad that Ireland can't offer the kinds of opportunities that would make people stay and build their lives here.
1: Yeah, absolutely, I totally understand what you mean. And it is, I understand the anger as well, because all those people that warm your heart here, welcoming back their sons and daughters, um, you know, every year we see them again on January, second or third or whenever you leave Um, and it's the same group of people but this time at the departure gates and they're weeping but not in a happy christmas way in a a way that they're sending off their children to live somewhere else because they can't find a job or a house in this country and it's it's pretty awful and it does make it feel like you know you know this is a heartwarming thing once a year but it actually kind of paces over something deeply dysfunctional uh, in the (laughs) country like normal countries don't you know have this international back and forth to see their families once a year. Yeah, mm.
0: this kind of mad party, where, which has so much meaning and attached to it. Mm. A frenzy, annual frenzy. So obviously, uh, Christmas is a Christian feast day, uh, clearly. Mm-hmm. Um, but actually, in Ireland, like in many places in Europe, lots of the traditions that we associate with Christmas are actually pre-Christian in origin. Uh-huh. Things like uh, mistletoe and holly bushes and gift giving and all those things are extremely ancient. Of course, this time of year coincides with the winter solstice, the shortest day of the year. And we know that this date was important to some of the earliest settlers in Ireland because we have these giant megalithic monuments, thousands of years old, that dot the country. And most famously, of course, there's Newgrange in County Meath, where the stones are aligned just so that when the winter sun rises on the winter solstice, the, the shortest day of the year, it shines down the passage chamber and actually illuminates the inside of the tomb. And I know someone who was there to witness it this year. Oh, yeah, who's that? Yeah, they have a lottery each year to uh, allocate because there's no only no about way. 15 people Spend who can go in. been my
1: dream to get in there one yeah, day. Yeah,
0: so you can apply by post and, like, I think... 30,000 people or something applied ah. this year, and um, yeah, she was one of my sister's friends. She actually won it, and she was in the chamber to witness the solstice. Oh,
1: good for her. Incredible. Fantastic. Uh, th- those tombs are 500 years older than the pyramids in Egypt, so they're absolutely ancient, uh, but we only actually discovered, uh, I only found this out this morning, when we discovered that the light does this on the shortest day of the year in 1967.
0: Right, yeah, mm. because it was sort of collapsed, and it was during the restoration that they found it out. Yeah, yeah. amazing. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Another possibly pre-Christian tradition uh, that I really like is the Wren Festival. Um, That takes place on St Stephen's Day, which is the day after Christmas. I think in the UK they call it Boxing Day. And the Wren is a tiny little brown bird. Uh, It used to be really common in the Irish countryside. Uh, I don't think it is so much anymore. It lives in, like, hedgerows and stuff. In Irish uh, it's called a Drolín, and the Wren Festival is called Law on Drolín. And in Hiberno-English, by the way, people would often pronounce the English word ran instead of "wren."
0: No one really knows where the Wren or Ran mythology comes from, but there are similar celebrations in Scotland, Wales, and other parts of Europe. Some people think it might have evolved from some kind of Celtic midwinter ritual. And in Ireland, the story goes that all the birds in the world held a competition to see who could fly highest, and the winner would be named king of all birds. The strongest bird was the eagle, and he flew higher than any of the others. But then, just as the eagle reached his highest point and got too tired to go any further, the little wren emerged from his feathers where he'd been hiding and soared up above him. So the cunning wren was crowned king.
2: Yeah,
1: it's a a really nice story actually, I've always quite liked it. And uh, traditionally on St Stephen's Day, uh, boys and young men would go out and catch a wren. And sometimes they'd kill it and uh, put it on like a kind of pike thing actually. (laughs) Not not quite so charming. Uh, And other times we know that they kept it alive too. Uh, It seems to have depended on local tradition. And then whether with the Wren, dead or alive, uh, they would go door to door asking for money from everyone uh, for the Wren's funeral. And with that money, they'd throw a big party to to celebrate the Wren. Um, It shares a lot actually in common with Irish Halloween traditions. Um, For this day, people would dress up in disguises um, that often play music or hold street dances. And in lots of places, especially in County Kerry, uh, they still dress up in these fantastic disguises made of straw. And the idea is that you can go out and enjoy the revelry on the streets and nobody knows who you are.
0: To date, the tradition has declined a fair bit. Um, but yeah, still lives on in some places, especially Kerry, as you say Tim. But never fear, listeners, no wrens are harmed these days. But you can still hear the tradition in the popular chant that people say going from door to door, which goes like this. The wren, the wren, the king of the birds, St. Stephen's day was caught in the furs. Her clothes were torn, her shoes were all worn. Up with the kettle and down with the pan. Give us a penny to bury the wren. If you haven't a penny, a half penny will do. If you haven't a half penny, God bless you. <gasps>
1: Lovely rendition, Naomi. <laughs> uh, by the way, I should mention that we are sitting in the Departures Lounge. Uh, Naomi got quite a look from people around us with that. <laughs> they were
0: just wheeling their bags by, like, what are they doing? We're, like, gathered here. We've got a coat over us, for, you know, to try and help the audio. January what are they doing? Like, what, Who rendition. are they talking to? <laughs>
1: <laughs> anyway, um, another really lovely Irish Christmas tradition uh, which brings in the emigrant tradition actually, emigrant tradition, is uh, placing a candle in the window on Christmas Eve. Um, that's there to offer welcome to strangers who might need a place to sleep.
0: In the 1990s it, it took on particular symbolic relevance because the then-president of Ireland, Mary Robinson, put a candle in the window of oris an the uh, president's residence, and as a message of support for all the Irish diaspora around the world.
1: There's something really touching about the tradition, um, especially in the countryside actually, you know, where you have just houses very few and far between uh, because sometimes you'll be driving, you know, in a a frosty winter night in in the black um, countryside and you'll just just catch a glimpse of a candle somewhere on a hill maybe in a distant farmhouse. It's really nice to see.
0: I'm going to have to read out the quote by uh, John Millington Singh. So yeah, this quote is actually written up on the wall of uh, Dublin Airport in one part of the airport and it's from the Playboy, The Western World. And Christie says it to Peggy, it's a quote that kind of recalls what it would be like to sight a candle in a window, a little light, uh, when you're making your lonely way across the fields. And he says, isn't there a light of seven heavens in your heart alone, the way you'd be an angel's lamp to me from this out, an I abroad in the darkness, spearing salmons in the Owens or in the Caramore? They chat for a bit longer than that setting scene, but we shouldn't forget Tim about the most important and uh, fun Irish Christmas tradition of all, Nulig Naman, or Women's Christmas.
1: Ah yes, but of course, uh, this happens um, just after Christmas, uh, usually on the sixth of January. So all those festivities are mostly over, and the idea is that on this day, na Man, the Women's Christmas, that all the women of the house get a day off after having slaved over all these big feasts and hosting parties and whatnot.
0: Yeah, and of course, it refers to a time um, not very long ago when it was considered a duty of all the women to do that work um, alone. Uh, Of course, times have changed. However, my experience is that labour at Christmas is very lopsided in many cases still. Um, Nalik Naman is celebrated uh, a little bit in a tongue of cheek way in many times in in parts of the country. So mothers and wives and daughters will often head out to the pub and leave the men at home and have an evening of celebration to themselves.
1: So Naomi, what is Christmas going to be like in the O'Leary house?
0: Well, um there's a we'd often go to midnight Mass so we, we call it midnight Mass even though we'd actually going to a Protestant church uh, where it's called uh, service you know we'd hear a bit of the old uh, hark the Herald and the carols and all that uh, it's it, it kind of it's an important tradition for me because as a kid we'd always be involved in some manner of Christmas musical performance so hearing those carols is very special in giving me that special christmas feeling you know like the day has arrived and also um we, we often would go into Christchurch cathedral in the center of dublin for the for the late service and being out so late at night on christmas eve in dublin is very special you know pretty much everything is shut down there's no public transport all the shops are closed there's hardly anyone on the streets it's a ghost town really but it has this silent special atmosphere on christmas eve and at the end of the service christ church cathedral will, will ring out the bells and the bells will like resound as you as you make your way home uh, through dublin city center mm. so it's just it's just a lovely thing and it also conveniently going to church the night before leaves the morning free for opening the presents and um also the huge Feet of cooking that goes on in our house each year which is the the climax of a process that my mother begins months in advance and <laughs> project manages with an excel spreadsheet
1: <laughs> is that true yeah <laughs> well, well good honor
0: the different tasks assigned to different family members we also have a voting system where we Uh, eliminate things that are not worth it so we get to assign a value to each element of the Christmas dinner I'm not a particular fan of Brussels sprouts so I give it a minus one but overall the family vote elevates it enough so that it is included you know so anyway it's basically a way of identifying if there's something that can be simplified or cut out of the extremely complex and uh, laborious process
1: that's very that's very clever actually and very democratic Mm. Uh, well, uh, in my house, it was it was always a, a very happy time. Uh, kudos to my to my parents for making our, our Christmas childhoods really lovely. Um, would would always leave out a, a mince pie and some Guinness for Santa. Uh, though I believe I believe uh, for many years now that has been discouraged leaving Guinness out for Santa because he shouldn't be drinking and driving. Does only... that
0: count for a magical sleigh though that manages to go? It home. does. Okay. It <laughs> does
1: because you know you can you can fly into anything, a telegraph pole <laughs> or anything. Yeah. Uh, so <laughs> myself and my sisters, uh, would wake up. Uh, you know, really early the next day, uh, as, as early as was you know, respectable without without um, causing total chaos, and uh, find our presents. Um, now, funnily enough, Santa in our house was not a great present wrapper. Oh, really? And now I have to say that uh, he would just lob the toys into plastic bin bags um, <laughs> for some reason.
0: <laughs> he had no truck with uh, wrapping paper no, in the MacNerney house. No truck. Well,
1: actually, sometimes it seemed like he had wrapped the first one or two, <laughs> and then just gave up on the whole project and started. <laughs> started jumping in, in, in plastic bags um, but whatever uh, you know you can't be complaining when you're when you're getting free toys um, now the only downside was we didn't go to that midnight mass we went to mass then on Christmas Day at 12 o'clock which was oh just like the worst thing in the world I hated it so much because the only thing you wanted to do was uh, play with your new toys you know you're a yeah. child and you have no sense of patience and no sense of um, of a kind of delayed gratification um, and then even worse than when you're at mass which was. Uh, The only day of the year when everyone in the community would actually go all stuffy and smelling like perfume. (laughs) The the priest would be giving some killjoy sermon about how Christmas was too materialistic and we'd all forgotten the true meaning. Did
0: the, did the children not have to bring in their presents and show what they got? No?
1: Well it was kind of discouraged. I okay. mean they'd bring one or two yeah. but it was w- almost worse than not because you'd have to not play with it during the Mass. Uh, it's lucky, you know impossible to do. Um, so I remember just thinking you know leave us alone, just let us play with our presents, stop this pontificating for one day of the year. Yeah. Um, so um, then once that was over and it felt like it took about 16 hours it, it was dead. <laughs> Out to uh, the sea, we'd take a big long walk by the sea with our new tricycles or whatever it was, and then we'd all come home all hungry and fresh and, and ready to get uh, get Christmas dinner on the go. Yeah. Um, and you know, um, back when I was very young, of course, there'd be there'd be visits to grandparents or maybe older people who might have lived alone, and then you could count on you know the odd five pound note being stuffed in your shirt pocket, you yeah. know, by by a kindly uh, old relative. Uh, um, yeah. So it was really nice, yeah.
0: We tend to do those visits on, well, we on Christmas Eve, we used to do them. And then Stephen's Day, we all we always have the wider maternal family do, where we go to my grandparents and, you know, we gather with all the cousins then. But um, It's quite funny, on, the, on Christmas Day itself, it became out of fashion in my family for us to do visits because it was just too much and the turkey was on and, you know, all this kind of thing. But then one year, my dad just announced that uh, about three days out for from Christmas that the Swedes were coming. Swedes, so he he just found...
1: Not the the vegetable turnip type thing, no. No, the humans,
0: yeah, the Scandinavian (laughs) ones. So uh, he'd found out that, like, a local neighbour was having Swedes over for Christmas, and he wanted, he was excited by this and wanted to have them over (laughs) too. So we had them on Christmas morning, and it was just, uh, there was this sense of... um, almost an edge of hysteria because the Swedes, random people we'd never met were coming. And, you know, we had, what were we going to do with them? What would they expect? And so we ended, anyway, we ended up, I don't know why this became the, why, how this was rationalised, but we what we ultimately did was we had a like a very elaborate gin and tonic bar where we served them gin and tonics. Why we thought this was the appropriate <laughs> way to, to have Swedes, I have no so idea, you but can we never did never go
1: wrong with the gin and tonic meal.
0: <laughs> Everybody got plastered. They we were all <laughs> falling around by about three p.m. It was a disaster.
1: <laughs> I would have loved it. I'm sure they were thrilled.
0: <laughs> we have a very special story to share with you today, which is um, from a listener who sent us an audio note all the way from the city of Chicago. Jeff wrote to us describing himself as a banished baby. It's a very special Christmas for him. Here's what he told
2: us. Hi, this is Jeff Angevine. This Christmas, my 61st, will be the first one to include contact with my brothers and sisters and multitudes of cousins in the Republic of Ireland. I was born in Dublin in the late 50s and adopted uh, out to America and this year I found my birth family. It's been a remarkable year and definitely my most Irish Christmas.
1: Wow, that's 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 so that's so lovely to to hear and you know actually it's a good moment to say that Oh, how many emails we've received on a similar line uh, yeah. to that. It's, yeah, exactly. it's actually um, bowling.
0: Many, many adoption stories and people who are tracing their roots. Mm-hmm. Um, we asked Jeff a little bit about, um, to t- tell us a bit more via email about the story and basically he said that his parents had had him before they were married and he was born in the Coombe Hospital in Dublin and that his adoption was handled by the St. Patrick's Guild and... Uh, he was adopted out, went over to, uh, to the United States and his parents actually married. They married and they went on to have many more children. Wow. So that's why he has all those uh, brothers and sisters that he didn't know about and that he found only very late on in life after both of his parents sadly had already passed away.
1: Right, well, I mean, if the percentage of uh, children in that situation or people who have grown up uh, with, uh, with that childhood um, who listen to the Irish Passport and who get in contact with us is yeah. anything to go by, they're just, uh, you know, there must be so many people out there uh, with similar stories. So Merry Christmas to all of you, I suppose. A
0: huge, huge Merry Christmas to all of you. And yeah, may, may you get your dearest wishes this Christmas.
1: Now, we have to remember that Christmas is also a really glaring moment of the year when it comes to homelessness, and homelessness, as you've seen in the podcast, has been soaring in Ireland in the last few years. Uh, All these bright lights now in the streets and people trotting around to spend loads of money on things they don't really need, you know, it brings into sharp focus the fact that other people will be trying to survive these winter nights on those same streets.
0: Yeah, this Christmas, Ireland has a record high number of homeless people. So there's people spending the day in B&Bs and hostels and yes, under bridges and in doorways. The largest the largest single age group of homeless people in Ireland are those aged four and younger. So just think of that for a minute. There are almost 4,000 homeless children in Ireland. That's a level never recorded before. And many of them are worried about whether Santee will find them this Christmas. And you know, it's very stressful. It's impossible to ignore the bitterness that families are in, the very situation that Christmas is about, that very story of a family that had no room at the inn, that had no place to stay. Today, in Dublin, here in Ireland, children are being born into homelessness to families that have nowhere to go.
1: So I suppose that might be a bit of a, a kick to revive that old candle in the window mentality uh, that Mary Robinson brought to us in the 1990s and offer up uh, maybe a bit of goodwill to others this time of year. As you might have heard at the beginning of the episode, we're going to donate 10% of all the proceeds from our tote bags, which you can find over on theirishpassport.com, to Focus Ireland, which is a group that supports people suffering from homelessness or at risk of homelessness. Even if you don't want a bag, you can head over there and make a donation to them directly at Focus Ireland. Dot I-E.
0: Tim's got a train to catch to Galway, uh, so we're going to go off to grab a quick Christmas pint of Guinness before Yahoo! he goes. You! We want to extend a huge Christmas thank you to everyone who supported us through the year, especially to our season three sponsor, biddymurphy.com, the legends, and to our patrons over on Patreon.
1: Remember to check out our brand new multi-coloured tote bags uh, by buying one. Remember, some uh, 10% of your proceeds will go to Focus Ireland. And if you want more content from The Irish Passport, why not head over to our Patreon page and become a subscriber of the podcast today. You'll gain access to our whole archive of exclusive material and help keep the podcast going. From all of us over at The Irish
0: Passport, Nollekhanna year to you and yours.
1: Sláinte everyone.